Hello and thank you for listening to episode 440 of 60MW. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is the Decade of Decadence show for April 2022. Tom, the year's flying by. I know, April. And I mean, God, as we record this, we've got about a week left of it. So, uh... It's ridiculous. What's going on? I know. We're getting old. Time's time's flying. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Your big birthday later this year, mate. We've got to do something for that. We've got to do something for that. Yeah, ignore it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just look the other way, everybody. I'm already um, looking at ideas for uh, just leaving the country again. You should do. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be anything to the scale of uh, my New York week, but maybe just going to like Europe or just away just for a few days. Yeah. And and to hide somewhere and pretend it's not happening. (laughs) Worked well last time. Yeah, if it's worked before, mate, do it again. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, before we go any further, I do want to just circle back to last month's episode and the Rolling Stone magazine's top 100 movies of the 80s. Yes. So you and me, after we finished recording, uh, we went and checked about how many we'd watched and I have the figures in front of me in front of me now and i've got to say mate yours out of everybody and this you know people have contacted us thank you very much through twitter and uh, email and we'll get to that even though yours is the lowest number it's the most impressive i think because like being older i got to watch the films of the 80s as they were being released yeah yeah and even though you know you are a child of the 80s you've had to play catch up so I think I think your number's about the most impressive, mate, because you watched out of the hundred that were listed, you watched seventy-two. Yes, which is only three less than me because I watched <laughs> a seventy-five. So yeah, pretty bloody good, mate. That is. Uh, Tina had a look, and she's watched eighty-six. Nice, which is pretty good. Uh, Tim in Australia, hello Tim. Thank you for getting in touch with us. He's watched, get ready for this one, everybody, sit down, 96 out of 100. Was one of them the seven-hour or nine-hour Holocaust documentary? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, he's listed the four that he hasn't watched. Oh, okay, cool. Elephant, Sophie's Choice, Hollywood Shuffle, and Testament. Which one was, which one was Testament? I can't remember. I think... I think he must have watched the um, Mega Long Holocaust documentary. Then I don't think that's pretty good going. I don't now. think that's. Um, I don't think they called it the titles any of those. So yeah, incredible. That is incredible. It's an achievement just to watch that. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're telling me it is. Good lord. So yeah, well done, Tim. And again, thanks for getting in touch with us. Also getting in touch with us, Frederick over in Sweden. Uh, he sent us an email, and he part. Hi, Dave and Tom. As a sucker for lists, I just had to check the Rolling Stone Top 100 Films of the 80s list and see how many I have watched. Turned out to be, lucky number, 69 of them. With some obvious... Ooh, stop there. Frederick, you naughty boy. With some obvious misses from my side. I have never seen Purple Rain. Oh, my word. Something wild. Or even Do the Right Thing. The number one. The number one hasn't seen the number one. I have, however, seen Come and See, and it's really good and horrifying. Thanks for another great podcast. It's always a pleasure listening to these shows, Frederick. And he sent a list. He's put the movies I have seen, 
and he's put an asterisk next to the ones that he owns, and he's listed oh, nice. all of them. He owns, so out of the 69 that he's watched, he owns over 40 of them. Which oh, I nice. That is pretty good as well. So, yeah, another uh, physical disc collector, which is always good. Um, notable standouts, I mean, from the top, Greg, Gregory's Girl, that's number 99. Uh, Miracle Mile, and again, mm-hmm. yes, we know about that. Go, go and watch me and Tom chat with the director uh, if you haven't already done that near dark airplane uh oh bill and ted's excellent adventure obviously that's a great one some really good ones and he lists yeah he's, he's lists them all most of the ones i think that we've seen as well there's the great ones robocop there's some film et i don't know that one again uh american werewolf but yeah i, th- I think 69's really yeah, good as well and yeah, t- only 40 much, of them so uh yeah Thank you, Frederick. Thanks, uh, thanks, Tim, as well, for getting in touch with us. If anybody else, if you do want to do it, there's still time before the next show. Let us know, and we'll read them out. Yeah, there we go. It's always nice hearing from people, mate, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And talking of, like, come and see, um, a week tomorrow, as I speak, Prince Charles Cinema are showing that, and I actually haven't got any plans on a Saturday afternoon Ooh. that they are showing on, and I'm just like, oh, do I really want to watch that? Like, <laughs> it feels like something you've really got to be in the mood for, so... Yeah. I may wait till the, the morning of, and if I haven't got any plans, just be like, right, I'll go and see this. Because at some one point, it was um, the number one film on um, Letterboxd. Was it um, really? Oh, yeah, oh. like the highest rated, but then Parasite came along, and I believe it's uh, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is currently the uh, number one. Good Lord. Which is um, out in the UK next month, so... Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but, but again, it's just like it's one of those films like really have to be in the mood to watch that sort of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, once like that, you've got to be, haven't you? And you can't, it's not a pop it on anytime and watch it kind of film. No, you know. no, we'll see. Uh, we're getting close when, like you said, we're at the end of April. Mm. Uh, we're getting close. June, 10 years podcasting <sighs> together. We're getting I mean, close again, mate. It's coming. And for anybody that follows us on social media, you may well have seen. I did a lot of work uh, the other weekend, changing the recording room here around a little bit. And I found a piece of podcasting history. The micro, <laughs> Microsoft headset. Oh, my God. That uh, I first used when we started 80s Pitch House like 10, 10 years ago. Now, proves how long we've been doing it, because that thing looked like an antique. It's and that was what we used. battered, mate. It is really battered. And long-time listeners, I know there's listeners that have been with us right from the start of 80s Picture House and through to now. Thank you very much. Uh, may well recall the immortal words of you, Tom, that you had to utter every 60 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you're darling. And then we cut. Yeah. And we start from scratch. Well, not start from scratch, but uh, then continue once you've uh, unplugged and replugged. I swear it was using an Apple computer with Microsoft headphones. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? it? Yeah. They just didn't get on. And every hour I would, like you said, I just end up sounding like a Dalek. Unplug, plug back in. Off we go again for another 60 minutes and then rinse and repeat. Yeah. And we did long shows back then, so we had to do that a few times. <laughs> a few times. Yeah. I was, uh, I was quite surprised I still got them, actually. Yeah, it's funny what uh, kicks around. Yeah, it just made me think, as I mentioned on Twitter, of the, uh, the ancient computer, the ancient desktop PC. <laughs> I've still got the desk. I use it for my television now. Um, uh, 
that I used and just refused to get rid of until it finally like it was I, I'm, I swear I used to say on my podcast it was just like it's it's deserved its run I had that desk that PC for so long I was just like no nah, this is staying with me until it dies and it finally did but I remember like I even remember when we interviewed Lloyd Kaufman like one of the first big interviews we did we just squat on the uh, you know, next to a computer and uh yeah, God, the stuff we used to use. I know, ancient mate. You squeezed every last drop of I mean, life. I'm doing it. I'm doing it with my laptop now. The laptop I've been using for podcasting and everything else is six years old now. So it's got another uh, good few years then before you. I mean, it's. I mean, apart from it take it having to turn it on about half an hour before I want to use it for um, anything, so it lo- slowly loads everything up. Um, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And it still works. You're getting your money's worth, mate. Nothing wrong absolutely. with that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Especially in this day and age, economic climate. Get your money's worth out of everything. Um, Too right. 80s. It's some 80s stuff. I've got quite a bit of it, mate, this time. Oh, full of it. Yeah, full of it. First one, the Choir Boys parted company with their lead singer and founding member and only remaining member of the Choir Boys. Oh, my God. How uh, he's Spike, a Spike, right? Yeah, Spike. He's Spike. He's a founding member. He's the only one left. The rest of the band get rid of him. They are, in essence, a tribute bands. There's no yeah. original members left. Well, I knew, I'd heard they um, parted ways with it, but I didn't realise there's no other original members <laughs> left. It's none, none. And they got a tour coming up, right? And they were due to play the TIV. This is how I found out. <laughs> Up here in North Wales. And the TIV, bless them, they cancelled the gig. We go, right, okay, you know, you're not quite boys now. We're going to cancel the gig. Other places apparently didn't cancel the gig. And you cannot get refunds for your tickets. People are going, it's, I only went to see Spike. He's the only one left of the original band. I don't want to see it if it's just, you know, in essence, a tribute band. And other venues are going, no, you've paid for it. It's not been... It's not been cancelled. You've you've got to turn up or lose your money. I mean, that's kind of technically correct, but yeah, it's pretty shitty. But um, it is a bit, isn't it? I mean, then you. I mean, I like venue especially. I mean, it was good of the TIFF to be like. Well, the, I did. The TIFF did say a lot of people were requesting cancellations, and that's why they did it. Hmm. But like in this, you know, just what we've come, what we've all come out of. Like, I don't think a lot of venues are going to be rushing to cancel shows that are, you know, such as it is, such mm-hmm. as they are, able to go ahead. I mean, I don't know who's singing for uh, the Choir Boys now, or if anyone. Well, I assume someone is. Yeah, I haven't looked. <laughs> you know, they'll have someone is. in, yeah. but um, it's still a band called the Choir Boys. I don't know what uh, the guy, what Spike's um, legal recourse is on that. Like, mm. obviously, he didn't have too much, um, any of the rights to the name or anything. Because, but yeah, no, it's a trippy band now. So. It is, isn't it? Yeah. There was an article somewhere online, I didn't read it, uh, but it was uh, bands that are still going now that contain no original members whatsoever, which is so weird. I mean, I know people like get a bit pissy with Kiss, don't they, with like Gene and Paul, but I think that's mostly because Tommy and Eric used like Ace and Peter's makeup. I think that's the main thing to do with it. But at at least there's still two original members going in now, but when there's none, it's like... Okay, a bit weird. Hmm. Um, apparently, they are continuing as a five-piece. Okay, 
Um, no. So sure. maybe someone um, existing will take on the vocals. I don't know. I mean, you know, like I saw Tangerine Dream the other month, and like, there's no one in that band who's even original Tangerine Dream, but that had the um, blessing of um, Edgar Frosey, who, you know, the founder of Tangerine Dream, wanted mm-hmm. um, the current front man, I mean, obviously they don't sing, it's uh, to continue under their name. He gave a blessing. So, you know, that's a little different, but like, yeah, this is a. <laughs> when, you, when you kick the last guy out and then carry yeah. on, yeah, that is a bit different. Yeah. Anyway, sticking with music, Bon Jovi, new Ooh. tour, new tour in America started. I'm not sure. I think it was, I think it was this month, April, uh, if I'm correct, or not. You know, not too far out. Have you seen or read anything about it, mate? No, I was going to ask. Is Richie Sambora back with them now? No, no. Okay, no, I'm not. I'm really out of it. No, I no. Why? Why do you ask? I ask because um, John Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi's vocalist, obviously, surely everybody mm. knows that, is having serious vocal issues, mate. Oh, shit. Serious yeah. vocal issues. I watched quite a few videos the other day with him. Whoa. And I know, you know, he's getting older. I think he's 60 now, or he'll be mm. 60 this year. And when you're a vocalist, especially, you know, your instrument is your voice. And yeah. it's not like a guitar and, you know, you can buy new strings or you're a drummer and it's a new drum head, et cetera. It's, you know, it's your vocal cords. And as you get older, obviously there's some wear and tear on them, isn't there? Yeah. Um, he was absolutely terrible. There's a few videos I watched. It was shocking. The reviews for this tour are scathing, absolutely scathing. Yeah. And like a lot of bands that have been going, I mean, Kiss have done it for ages now. You know, they've dropped tunes and they've gone down and down and they've slowed the songs up and to try and keep going as long as they can. So they've done that, they've down-tuned, and they've slowed things up. But he, he cannot hold a tune at all. It, was, oh, it was awful. And the most worrying thing for me was he looked like, especially there was, um, he was doing an acoustic version of Wanted Dead or Alive. Mm. And to me, it looked like he was, he was really struggling to enunciate, to, to form the words and it wasn't, right. it wasn't just a case of him, you know, we can't hit the notes anymore or you know, even sing in tune a lot of the time. He seemed to be having trouble, you know, getting the words out of his mouth. As wow. though, you know, sometimes, and it's a horrible thing to say, you know, when, you know, if somebody's had a stroke or something like that yeah. and they have difficulties with the speech, the few occasions, and Tina said the same, it was like, he really looks like he's having trouble getting the words out, which is horrible i mean I, I hope there's nothing you know medically wrong with it hopefully it is you know it's just age and he or you know some throat problems going on and oh again paul stanley klaus minor from scorpions they've had throat surgery you know back in the past maybe he's got something going on there that might need surgery but i really hope it's nothing that's more how can i put it in you to do with his brain or anything like that and affecting how he talks and sings because it was, yeah, it was a bit worrying, to be honest. Yeah, geez. That's, mm. uh, yeah, I'd not heard a thing about that. That is a bit worrying. And uh, I mean, if it gets to, it's getting to a point where we can't do it anymore, maybe stop doing it. Stop doing it. <laughs> stop doing it. I remember. See, in a way, I feel horrible again saying this. It's a little bit of karma for what I thought about John Bon Jovi, because I've said before on 
mostly on the 80s picture house i saw bon jovi on the first time over here they supported kiss uh, it was kiss were on the animalized tour and bon jovi had just released the first album and bon jovi were the support band so i saw them a few times on that bought their first album thought oh yeah this is good then they returned headlined for 7800 degrees fahrenheit saw them on mm. that tour really good then of course i saw them on the slippery wet wet tour and that's when Bon Jovi got like really big headed and he was he was really ripping into Kiss and he was calling them old men who wear wigs. And so I was like, I was like, you don't say that about my band. You can fuck off, Bon Jovi. And I, mm-hmm. dro- I dropped out. Slippery When Wet was the last Bon Jovi album that I bought because you don't say that about my band. Old and wearing wigs. I mean, I mean, how would it, I mean, then Kiss would have been like, mid 30s at most yeah and, and gene like, was wearing a wig because he, he turned into mr hollywood and had his hair cut uh but the rest of the band weren't as far as i know anyway correct me if i'm wrong and then now it's like mm, age seems to be catching up on you now john so yeah yeah don't be don't be too quick about that i mean i always thought the last, the time i saw the one and only time i saw bon jovi in uh, manchester in 2006 was just like just getting in there before they start their musically started to take a turn because that was on their have a nice day tour which was mm-hmm. like a decent rock album and then they did that um covers that left this left feels right where they did all the different covers of their own songs which was awful oh god and then they did the country album the lost highway country album and it just seemed to like they went off more into the adult contemporary with one <laughs> sort of uh here you go rock song for the uh, for the old timers on the album and obviously Richie Sambora and then parted ways because obviously Richie Sambora wants to actually play guitar rather than just, you know, sit there and strum it occasionally. So, <laughs> but yeah, another reason why I sort of feel like that was an amazing gig. Um, was it? Yeah. Where where did yeah. you see them on that gig? Uh, it's not called, I don't know what it's called anymore um, because, you know, I suppose you have to be into football to know and stuff like that. But it's a city, it was called, the, it was Manchester City Stadium. Oh, the... Etihad Stadium. I yeah, that's what it's called now. Yeah. yeah, I think it was called the City of Manchester Stadium when okay. I went. Um, but yeah, they were really good. Um, but yeah, then obviously, like God, within like the next year, they brought out a country album which wasn't as good, and then just started mellowing their sound out a lot. Uh, so it really felt like God. I just saw them in time. Yeah, it is. I know with Kiss, it was. I think it's like two thousand and four, two thousand and five is when I started noticing Paul Stanley's voice going, oh, he's sounding a little bit scratchy. His voice mm. is sounding a little bit rough. And then progressively, as the years go by, it's just gone worse and worse, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's good. When you know when you see a band and that you're really into, it's good. Well, at least I saw them, at, you know, at the height, or at least, you know, if not at their absolute height, because Kiss, that would, you know, that's like 77, 78. I didn't see them then. But, you know, when they could still do it rather yeah. than when they just sort of tipped over that hill a little bit. Mm. I do have my... I'm going to get this out of the way now. You might see me because that's what we're recording. Tom can see me. I've got my webcam on. So he's, he, you can see me looking at my phone because I needed to find a couple of things. So I'm going to I'm gonna move us over, mate, to some sly news. Yo, Polly! <laughs> because... We talked about last month, we talked about Planet Sly. We had a bit of a natter about NFTs. These I've had a good look at these NFTs, mate. And I'm beyond shocked. <laughs> I'm beyond shocked. I've got them in front of me now, a load of them. 
and the like. The like when when I was a kid, it was it was usually girls that played with them, but you could get them for boys as well. There'd be these cardboard cutouts of like a male figure and a female figure, and they'd just be wearing underwear. So it'd be you know bra and knickers for the female and underpants for the boy. And then there'd be loads of other cardboard cutout bits with different hats and tops and trousers and shoes. And you'd just place them on the cardboard bit and swap them around. And that's all you did with them. Yeah. You just messed around and made, oh, look, I've put a different hat on them. Oh, and I'm going to buy some cardboard sunglasses set now and put them on. These look just like them, mate. They really <laughs> do. It's the same. It's as though you've got the base figure is sly in just a pair of briefs, right? Which you don't see. That would probably be the best seller, actually, if they sold that as an NFT. But when you look at them, they just place absolutely fucking stupid hats and helmets on him and 3D glasses and guns and a, a tiger suit, like a close-fitting tiger suit, which is... I could get it a little bit more... You know, if it slides characters throughout the films that he's done, yeah, I could get that a little bit more. But these, these are just really, really fucking stupid, stupid villains. <laughs> it's as though they've given a kid like a load of stuff and gone mix and match as much as you want, create like Super Sly or whatever Tiger Sly, and then we'll turn it into an NFT and sell it. It's, it's bad, mate. It is bad. I am not going back to Planet Sly now. That's it. That's my Planet Sly stuff done. But yo, Polly, let's stay on the ridiculous for Sly stuff. <laughs> and at Yellowbug nineteen sixty nine, Dave up in the northeast of the UK uh, messaged me because there's on the official Sylvester Stallone store. There's an amazing Rambo figure coming out later in the year. Uh, one sixth scale, I think it is, and it is, it's just incredible. It's him from First Blood, you know, right at the beginning of the movie. Mm. It's that, and it oh, it is so good, but it's so fucking expensive. You haven't got enough room. I'm looking at your shelves now behind you, you've got no room for that. <laughs> There's room on my Rambo shelf there, and somewhere I could make room if, if somebody would, some rich listener would go, Yeah, I'll get that for you. Otherwise, it ain't going to be in this room and not at the prices they're charging. But Dave said, can't afford that. His is his, uh, an alternative for you. Rip off Rambo figure called, not Rambo, but Rando. Rando. <laughs> and it is, you know how you get action figures and they're in, in you know, they're, they're hung on the wall and it's got the cardboard back in and the clear plastic thing with the figure in it. Yeah. So it's got Rando throbbing justice. <laughs> underneath right and if that's not enough and you've got the figure in which the figure is terrible i'll put i'll put actually i'll put a picture of this and the microsoft headset in the podcast notes on the website <laughs> so you can go and have a look yourselves if you want go to the website for this episode and have a look so rando throbbing justice the the action figures in there which is just god awful but still better strangely than the nfts and then there's there's an illustration of rando where he looks you know when in robocop when emil is melting with all the toxic he looks like that imagine like emil with long dark hair 
and a red headband on and topless. It's like that. It's horrific. And then across, across this like mutated figure, <laughs> and it, it hasn't even got, it's not grammatically correct. Instead of saying I am, it says I'm am. I'm am throbbing with justice. And then underneath this, they're really selling the throbbing aspect of this figure, mate. Underneath, he really throbs. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's the third throb. We're, we're not finished because then underneath that, we've got throbbing muscles, which is what. Then also the neck. The neck throbs as well, mate. It, and then right at the bottom includes goatee. A, wow. a throbbing, a quadruple throbbing rando figure for you. Please go to the website and have a look at the picture. <laughs> just, just just, to see. Um, you know what? I would put it with my Rambo collection as well. That's the weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would put it. But then on my phone, I've got the picture of that rando and the, the upcoming one from First Blood next to each other. And they are sort of a dictionary if you if you did a dictionary look for night and day or chalk and cheese it would be those two pictures put next to each other absolutely crazy mate ah there sorry i'll go go over to you is there something <laughs> yeah yeah i've got a few bits what i've been getting up to go on then what have you been up to mate down if down finished, in the you, big smoke if in our nation's capital yes mm. um uh well yeah i mean as if people have gone on the website and seen any recent reviews they'll know that i uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe a little longer now time who knows um <laughs> went to see magnum uh uh islington assembly hall now before we go any further mate you in the last episode were saying you hoped they played vigilante yes did they play Vigilante? They played Vigilante oh, just before oh, 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 oh. Uh, the, the encore. It was, uh, I think it might be the last song before the encore. Nice. Uh, so, yes, that went down well for everyone. That was uh, absolutely excellent. And, uh, yeah, really good. Um, absolutely packed in there for uh, for them. Um, yeah, yeah, really good. All the stuff off their new album was really good. Nice. Um, can't say I knew all the songs. They did um, a lot of stuff of more recent albums, which was all really good. I have to... Uh, Go and take a listen at some point uh, to to that. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah really good gig. Um, he's uh, Bob Catley's still on seems on fine form vocally. Obviously, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Seeing as we have been talking about vocalists, if you know, I mean, I mean, if I when if I saw him live back in the seventies or eighties and compared him to now, obviously, yeah, I'm sure his voice wouldn't be quite as good, but yeah, still still good. I thought so. Mm. Yeah, and then um, the following week, I was back at the same venue talking of another singer who's, I mean, I think they really have kept their voice for singer of NFM. Um, uh, they're, they're vocally, they're still like... Oh, yeah, Steve Overland. Yeah, yeah, still like absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I saw FM at uh, the same venue, Islington Assembly Hall, uh, just over a week later. Um, that was very good as well. Nice. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. When you see, like, see, you know, old bands that we've been fans of for a while and you get to see them and, and they can still do it. And I take it all the crowds were still into both bands as well. It was oh good, yeah. Good oh, answer. absolutely. Yeah. I, and yeah, I mean, it's just nice to, um, you know, like I know in this instance, both Magnum and AFM were playing in Norwich and I could have gone to see them in Norwich, but like, it's just, um, I mean, with Magnum, as I said in review, it's just always one of those things that were fated hmm. to be like 
I'm always working or busy. And if I was still in my old job, I would have been working with a Magnum played in London. Yeah. Uh, in Norwich. So, uh, but, um, yeah, no, it's uh, nice, nice. And I've got a, uh, I think I've got another a podcast uh, review gig coming yes. up in, um, yeah, just, oh shit, no, that's two weeks tonight, in Bloody fact. Hell. Getting my top hat and monocle on for uh, <laughs> heading to <laughs> heading to the Royal Albert Hall. Um, first time I've ever been to a Royal Albert Hall for anything. Mm. I think I walked past once. Um, yeah, just to go and see Joe Bonamassa. That'll be good. Yeah, that'd be really good. I saw him... Can't even remember the year, but it was at the University of East Anglia. Uh, what a difference! Norwich. Yeah, from there uh, to the Royal Albert Hall. A real come down for the lad, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that as well. And then the next night, um, not podcast related, uh, a friend and my old housemate are descending on London to sort of go and see um, one of the biggest uh, synthwave bands in the world, The Midnight. Oh, another. There you go. Some more. Yeah, wave um, chat, mate. For yeah. people out there, yeah, yeah. And then we, we, uh, there's a uh, club. In, they're playing in Brixton, which is like ten minutes on the tube for me, which I'm very happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, uh, a club in Croydon uh, doing like a synthwave like after party thing. So we're going to go to that. Cool. Have a little dance. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah, if you want to check the midnight out, I mean, a lot of people might have already heard, but they are pretty pretty big in the realm of synthwave. But their last latest even single is called change your hearts or die and uh it's got quite a sort of 80s rock feel to it yeah so uh listen to that i was gonna throw out another suggestion but yes very much looking forward to that i think that's all the gigs for now of course in june i've got the uh, excellent double bill of billy idol and the go-go's so, <laughs> on a one night in wembley so uh yeah but uh yeah, lots of lots of gigs. It's nice. It is nice. I'm going to my. I think I said. I, well, I can't remember last episode. I can't remember yesterday or this morning actually. But yeah, yeah I'm going to my first gig at the end of May. It'll be the first gig since well before you know, you know what started oh. in <laughs> a couple of years ago. So yeah, that'll be good. But yeah, I'll talk more about that after the event because I'm sure there'll be a lot to say. Oh, nice. Mm. Um, what else? Oh, yes, I've got one final thing of what I've been getting up to. Of course, I mentioned it last time. Uh, Prince Charles Cinema hosted a whole weekend of Alex Winter uh, yes. Q&A, yeah, screenings, yeah. etc. And yes, I was at um, uh, the Saturday and Sunday. The Saturday was uh, The Lost Boys, which was in 35mm, which was cool. I mean, Ooh, nice. and the Sunday was Bill and Ted, uh, which had a Q&A. So that was obviously both were great. But we have heard stuff about Ben and Ted before. We have heard the stories of Lost Boys, you know, like people you've talked about. Um, um, you know, there's been behind the scenes documentaries, like audio commentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, people in both films have spoken at length about them. One film that hasn't really been spoken at length about, or you don't really hear many behind the scenes stories, mainly because most of the principal characters are dead, was <laughs> Death yeah. Wish Free. Oh, yeah. Um, now, that was Alex Winter's feature film debut. Um, playing a Mexican uh, thug. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so um, he, that, I mean, the moment I was just like, I'm just going to, I have to buy a ticket to see Death Wish 3 and 35 mil. Yeah. Like, when else are they going to show this? And um, yeah, and then uh, late, late in the day, just not long before it was announced, um, uh, Edgar Wright was going to uh, host a QA. That's good. For he, for he is a big Death Wish fan. So, um, 
he came armed with a book, like a guidebook to Death Wish and had all the questions to ask Alex Venter. Just an absolutely hilariously entertaining intro. And then the film was a blast. The film itself snapped about 20 minutes in. Oh and we had to sit wait for uh, 10 minutes for them to tape it back up again. Such an old, what, 1985? I think it's the original print from 1985. Wow. Um, and yeah, and then uh, Q&A afterwards and it, Went quite late, but it was fantastic. Um, just, you know, some of the story, like Michael Winner having him followed, um, where, like, some of the investment money came from, how Charles Bronson was, all sorts of stuff. It was brilliant. And, uh, yeah, Edgar Wright seemed to be, like, legitimately big fan of Death Wish 3 and was just seemed giddy that he finally got to um, sit there and ask one of the few people you could find really well yeah left to ask about it like yeah like you so, said, uh, yeah, not many. that was it was a definite highlight of the weekend and then we had a help with rob uh beardsley on um sunday and we watched bill and ted but before that there was a meet and greet so uh that was nice got to meet the man himself um and um yeah i mean i'd thought of a question when i got home actually for the <laughs> death wish Always free way, yeah, yeah. But fortunately, I was like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm meeting him tomorrow. So I'll just ask him. And I'd asked him if he'd heard of Robert Bronzy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, like, obviously, if you don't know who Robert Bronzy is, I think we might have mentioned him on the show in the past. He is a man who wasn't an actor, but somehow looked exactly like, and I mean, Google him. Mm. Take a pause. Google Robert Bronzy, B-R-O-N-Z-I or Z-I. Um, and you'll be stunned. That isn't Charles Bronson you're looking at. That is a different human being. Um, <laughs> and because, of course, the world we live in, he's ended up doing similar films to Charles <laughs> Charles Bronson. He's done a Revenge Death Wish style film. He's done a film called Once Upon a Time in Deadwood, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, the thing is, he looks exactly like him, but because he's... Um, I can't remember where in Europe he's from, but English isn't his first language. Yeah. Uh, so they dub him. And I was talking, uh, Alex Winter hadn't heard of them. And he's like, oh man, I'm going to have to Google this. And I was like, the funny thing is, because English isn't first language, they dub him. That's not the funny bit. But they don't dub him with someone who sounds like Charles Bronson. <laughs> like someone must be able to get a bit, you know, do the, do yeah. the voice, you know. <laughs> you have a go, Dave. You have a- I can't even think of his voice at the moment. Oh, you you know, the sort of nasal, <laughs> I don't know, but... Branson voice. He's got that. He's deeper than that. But um, like like the guy at The Simpsons, where in the early seasons of The Simpsons, they just had every who every person who was a sarcastic like shopkeeper or guy in the street had the Charles Bronson voice for some reason. Um, but yeah, they don't get anyone who sounds like him, which I just thought was bizarre. So uh, that is weird. yeah, that was why I questioned Alex Winter, and he had not heard of Rob Bronson. And I hope he has since Googled him and uh, was like what the fuck and then went about his day <laughs> I, like, I like to think that you've you've brought something new to alex winter's life yeah i mean yeah. i've watched one i think i watched the death wish star robert bronzy film and then i was just like i mean i am tempted to watch the um once upon a time in deadwood because of a cast mm. now obviously you've got robert bronzy i'm just calling this up i'm doing this a bit it's not all lookalikes is it that would be hilarious oh my god if it was all lookalikes and they'd all got really shit voices as well that, yes. Now that I would watch. Okay, so Once Upon a Time with Edward, it came out three years ago. Uh, it's got Michael Parry in it. Oh my, I love Michael Parry. I'd love to, and we, we could do a show with him. Playing Crud <laughs> is Justin Hawkins. What? Of The Darkness. Oh my word. 
but now I was just like, because I thought I was like, yeah, I'm done watching Robert Bronzy films. I've seen one. I've got the idea. A bit weird, but good on him. But now I'm just like, there's a film with him, Michael Parry, and Justin Hawkins out of darkness. I need to see this, but yeah. you literally, yeah, I think it's one of those where it's just like straight to the DVD. No one can even be bothered to put it on, even for rental on Prime. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That... No, one want, no one wants to watch it except me. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to look. I'm sure it's available somewhere, isn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah, I can't be bothered to do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it is, a, ultimately, from what you've said. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it, it might fall into your lap someday in the future. You never know. You never you know. You never know. You never do. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, the whole Alex Winter thing was absolutely great. Really cool. good weekend run by uh, the Prince Charles. Um, yeah, he did some other... He, uh, he did a... There was there for screening of um, all three Bill and Ted films. There was more screenings of The Lost Boys. The Frank Zappa documentary recently directed, uh, Freaked. Um, yeah, he was there for quite a lot of different um, screenings of his films and stuff he directed. And, uh, nice. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of people were just, some people were like, they bought tickets to everything. We're just treating it like a festival, basically. Hmm. Like, went to everything from a Thursday through to the Sunday, just bought tickets to everything and sort of had, you know, and why not? You said in the last episode when you mentioned that you were going to meet him that he couldn't do the Bill and Ted pose because he's done it like so many times over over the years and that. How would how were people posing with him for pictures? Okay, so um, it was quite good how they did it because you bought a you you bought a seat for the meet and greet basically. Okay. Unfortunately, Rob had bought what row were we in the second row? So they were doing it row by row. Um, so yeah, we were up and out quite quickly. But until then, you just sat there and watched him you know, meet people. Yeah. And he did it a couple of times, the pose, hmm. mainly for kids. Um, and like one or two people asked, but most people were just like, he was sat at a table yeah. on the stage. You would like, if you were stood up, you were, you, you know, you're at his head height still. So yeah, that was fine. But you know, he did it for a couple of kids and stuff. He came out from around the table and, you know, for the kids. Hmm. So, but yeah, he did it a few times, but he wasn't doing it every single time, which yeah. as you say, you know, you, you fuck it. Well, I mean, he did. He or he doesn't want to. Yeah. Fuck his arm. So. Yeah. That was nice. I know when um, when he was at uh, for the love of horror at Manchester. Mm. He see he did seem like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. No, he seemed really. Yeah, he seemed really friendly and um, approachable and nice. And I uh, just felt like someone you could, you know, didn't feel like oh god, what do I say to them? He just felt like yeah, you know, yeah. uh, having already been to a couple of. Um, Q&As, he just seemed like pretty down-to-earth and decent guy, so you could just go up to him and start going on about Charles Bronson lookalikes. <laughs> it's always good when you can bring something different like that, isn't it? It's, you know, rather than... Because I'm sure he's like, it's either Bill and Ted or Lost Boys every yeah, time. I mean, every time. I mean, I got him to sign a Blu-ray Bill, Bill and Ted, but... Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, I was just, you know, just the Death Wish 3 thing was a highlight of the weekend for me. It was great. yeah. Nice one, mate. Yeah, that's good. Glad you had a good time. Yeah. That's, gonna... me, that's me done. I'm, I'm not it... going more stuff. You're probably going to go on about dead people for a bit. So, uh, Shall we get that out of the way then? I have got, <laughs> I've got more, but let's not finish on, on the dead people. So we'll get that. We'll get that out of the way now. You might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the reaper. <laughs> There's only two. That's... <laughs> I hope I didn't sound disappointed when I said that. <laughs> yeah, not too much. Just preface, too. preface that with a big sigh. Oh, God, there's only two. Uh, the first one, you informed me about, mate. 
encouraging him, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, here's somebody dead for you, he said. In a... I didn't even think of that, but... Like, Followed by loads response, of smileys. Well. That was my... <laughs> no. Yeah, the aubergine emoji probably wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> was it necessary? That was, yeah, it was just one step too far, mate. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. Oh, 67, which isn't, you know, isn't too old either. It's like a comedian and actor. Funny guy. I like Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, um, the, the voice. The voice. I mean, come on. We talked about voices. One of the most recognisable voices ever. Surely. Surely. Yeah. Uh, and if you're looking for his acting for the 80s stuff, I mean, for me, Beverly Hills Cop 2 stands out. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's funny guy. Every time you saw it, like on, you guarantee on chat shows and all of that, he'd just be, you know, consistently funny yeah. and, and loud and annoying people <laughs> and not caring what he said. It was, <laughs> it was, it was good. I like Gilbert Gottfried. Sadly, yeah. no longer with us. Also, sadly, no longer with us. Uh, aged 95. Uh, a British institution, as far as soap operas go, June Brown, who played the iconic yeah. character of Dot Cotton in the British soap EastEnders, uh, she played uh, Dot Cotton from 1985. Um, you know, right through, she was one of the characters of that soap, and uh, carried on in there until not too long ago. Actually, she 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 left a few times, but then come back and. Uh, yeah, with her son, Nasty Nick Cotton, as well. That was even if you didn't watch the soap, you knew Dot Cotton. So yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that was that's just the two this episode, mate. Okay, I'll try to do better next time. <laughs> Please, <laughs> yeah. As if <laughs> as if it's me going around like killing people with any eighties connection. <laughs> um, Top Gun Maverick. There was, obviously, I'm so looking forward to this. There was a featurette mm. of it put on YouTube a few days ago that I watched. It was only like about three or four minutes long. It wasn't too long. And it was one of these behind the scenes. And it was Tom Cruise and the cast training for the the flying scenes and how they started off in just, you know, just a light aircraft, having a bit of a fly around, maybe going upside down, pulling, you know, two Gs. To them working up to them being in is it an F fourteen, a fighter jet anyway, a fast fucking fighter jet, pulling seven G's. I mean, holy shit! Uh, the stuff they were doing was incredible. And you know, with Tom Cruise, if if he can do it, he'll do it. He likes stunts in the films and tries to outdo himself. The the flying scenes in this look absolutely crazy, and they're all real. <laughs> so yeah, it, they are. It's like whoa, that adds so much to it. You know, if they I and mean, they could have easily gone the CG route and done everything with CG, and you know, it's a bit whiz banging. Oh yeah, that looks good. But this would add like genuine tension to it because <laughs> they are doing it. They're up there in the sky, and the actors are in the planes. So yeah, it just got me a bit more. Uh, anticipating the film a bit more oh totally yeah definitely also while i was on youtube one thing that popped up was and i would urge everybody to look at the bbc archive on youtube there's loads of great stuff from there and there was one the particular one that caught my eye was tomorrow's world from 1989 and it was it was one section from the program i used to love tomorrow's world um and the section was called 
what will people's homes look like in the year 2020? Uh. <laughs> so they were looking, we're looking just over 30 years into the future. And then they did some good calls, actually. They described what is more or less, you know, like an Alexa device. Um, yeah. We've got one and you'll go, you know, Alexa, play Radio 4 or whatever. And it'll play. And they did say about voice activated music, you'd walk in and you could say play whatever. I thought, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty, you know, on the nose about that. Uh, there was a few other things that they got right. They they also predicted that they, we wouldn't have, by 2020, we would not have wall sockets, power sockets on our walls. Every wall in your home, you could just, would would be, you could charge anything up just by placing it on the wall. Which I thought would be a bit dangerous if it was all like electrified. <laughs> Your walls were yeah. electric. Be careful. But yeah, it was just like you'd got these flat, like a flat plug that just stuck to the wall and it would charge everything up. That's not happened. Uh, but a lot of the voice activated stuff they got right. Uh, there was there was also, and this is going back a little bit further, we're going before the 80s. It was, oh, it was 70 something. There was an episode of Blue Peter and, and a section of it was the first mobile phone where you carry it's like a radio phone almost but you could phone a proper phone in somebody's house and it was hilarious and they were like so john noakes was in the studio with a real phone you know the old school phone with the dial and everything yeah oh yeah the spin yeah Yeah, the spin wheel on it and then peter purvis went out into the blue peter garden people of a certain age will be going fuck yeah this sounds awesome anybody else will be going what the fuck is he talking about and so he goes he goes out and he uses this mobile phone and he phones John Noakes and it's like they were amazed, absolutely amazed that they can talk to each other when one's in the studio and one's in the garden. And I said to Tina, I said, look where we are now with smartphones and we've got a device that's, it's, it's beyond a computer in your hands, touch screens, this, that and the other. And nobody uses it to phone each other. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't, nobody uses it to phone each other. We've got the technology and beyond and everything now. But the thing that they're so amazed about, we we don't use it for that now. It's like everything but that. So that was interesting. So BBC Archive on uh, on YouTube is well worth looking up for all sorts of 80s and, well, anything going back to 70s, 60s and so on. We did, mate, I would say it was a one day, maybe two days after we finished recording last month's show, the news came out about Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, I mean... Yeah, it's interesting, and it does. I mean, in not in a harsh way, but it does seem to explain a few things. Mm. Like, I mean, he was incredibly pro- prolific. Yeah, yeah. Um, with his films, I mean, I think. I mean, I know the Razzies have since withdrawn the award. Have they? Uh, but, I didn't know yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, they they um just you know they withdrew it because uh, obviously they were taking a piss about like he'd made about eight films or eight yeah. films that he'd made were released in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, and none of them were particularly good, but like, it's, you know, like, um, you know, that's just the reason why he was so prolific because, you know, like these small budget films, you know, a good million dollars goes to the star. And, you know, if you do eight of them say, and say, mm. you know, like obviously he's wanting to look after his family when he's unable to work anymore. So, yeah, yeah. and uh, going back to the Edgar Wright, um, Death Wish 3 thing with Alex Winter. Uh, one of the questions was to, um, Alex Winter, like, had he seen the Death Wish remake, which he had not. Mm. Um, obviously, Bruce Willis was the star of the Death Wish, 
remake. Um, oh God, yeah, yeah. And uh, Edgar Wright was saying, like um, Eli Roth, who directed it, was like, it was texting him like while they're making it, and he, he didn't elaborate, but he did say there was a reason. You know, the announcement about Bruce Willis this week would makes you know what Eli Roth was texting him a lot. You know, made a lot more sense. Yeah. So obviously, this is something that's been you know that Death Wish remake was you know several years ago now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's something well, that started. It's the condition, isn't it? They've said that it it could have been not dormant, but signs of it could have been showing for a long, long time. Um, because, like you were saying, then with Edgar Wright, I know Kevin Smith. I watched a video with him, and he was asked about Bruce Willis because they famously did not get along filming um, Cop Out. I think it was called. Yeah, it was originally called A Couple of Dicks, and they changed the title of it because they they wouldn't release it or they wouldn't play on certain TV stations if it was called a couple of dicks. And yeah, they, you know, Kevin Smith has gone on record loads of times saying that, you know, Bruce Willis was so difficult to work with. And then since this has happened and it was, it was quite an emotional thing to watch really. Cause you know, Kevin Smith broke down crying, talking about it. And he was saying it was, you know, signs of it were happening back then, you know? Yeah. And that was it, like mid two thousands. Yeah. So that's yeah. A long time ago. It is, yeah, and then, you know, there's been interviews that he's done for different films. I watched an interview, oh, I forget what the film was, but again, signs that something wasn't quite firing right in his brain for want of a better way of of putting it. So, yeah, it's a damn shame with somebody. When you think about his character, you know, he came to prominence in Moonlighting and such a Mm. quick-witted, snappy, always with the, you know, the right thing to say, quick-talking character like that, and then to lose that ability as well yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's awful. awful but you know thankfully thanks to cinema and we've got a great body of work that he left behind yeah and hopefully his family you know him and his family can see out his remaining years you know in comfort and with his family and hopefully yeah. uh as peacefully as possible uh, with a lot of money that he's made in the last few years making all these films yeah yeah let's hope so but yeah very sad that is very sad when that happens and um yeah, it just makes me even more grateful, you know, for the likes of, you know, Sly, who's still going into to his mid-70s and getting closer to 80 and still, you know, lifting weights and making films and all of this. You just, you can't take anything for granted, though, can you? That's all. No, of course. Uh, I've got a couple of things left. One is, um, I do want to mention a podcast. We're recording this on Friday, the 22nd of April. Uh, it's going to come out next Monday. So depending on when you listen to this, the 30th of April will be episode one of Podcasto Cat Flappo, a podcast about my favourite Rick Mayall comedy series, 1987's Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. It's going to be a deep dive into that. I cannot wait for this podcast, mate. I really cannot wait. It's from uh, this guy in, I think, if I remember rightly, Australia. And I love the Australian sense of humour as well. And the Australian, yeah. the Australian accent I love. <laughs> so... Surely it can't go wrong. I am. I don't think I've ever been so excited for a podcast as I have been waiting for uh, for Podcasto Cat Flappo. So yeah, get onto that, everybody. You can follow them on Twitter at Podcasto Cat Flappo. Uh, I think he tweeted he might this weekend put like a little trailer teaser test episode up to make sure the feed is working correctly. Uh, but yeah, thirtieth of April, um, episode one. And I'm sure we'll talk, well, I will definitely talk more about it when we record uh, May's show. So, yeah, just wanted to make everybody aware of that. One last thing, mate, before we get on to the films. We talked a few months ago, uh, you know, the 
And I think these started in the 80s. You know, now that's what I call music. Oh, and, yeah, they did, yeah. And we, we talked about the never-ending rock music compilations. And we, we made our own, and if people out there want, yeah, to go, of course. want to go and listen to them, if you go to our YouTube channel, both mine and Tom's um, playlists for what we would do with an 80s. Well, there's two. We did one um, with bands that they always pick, like your Judas Priest, your White Snakes, your Kiss, and so on. And we did another one with bands that we would put in that they never pick. So go to the YouTube channel for that. I saw an advert the other day, and it was, here's another one, now. But they've dropped it. That's what I call. It's just called now. Um, oh, my God, where did I write it down? Uh, shit, shit, shit. Now, 80s dance floor. Right. Now, 80s dance floor. So I'm going to do for you, no cheating, no looking on Google or anything like that. You did really well with the rock one, obviously. I gave you a band's name and you picked, oh, yeah, they'll play that song. So, you know, White Snake, here I go again. Kiss, Crazy Nights. Uh, you, you know, all the usual suspects. Europe is the final countdown. I'm going to see how you do. I'm just going to throw a few at you, mate. From okay. now, 80s dance floor. I'll throw a few bands and see if you can guess what what song they picked. Okay. Uh, Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Oh, you're on fire already, mate. Play, play along while you're listening as well, please. Uh, Lionel Richie. Mm. Dancing on the ceiling. Oh, it's the other one. He's got more than two, Dave. Well, you know what I mean for the first ones that would. Um, well, they pop in. These would be the first two. That would be the first one that would pop into my head, and then it would be this one. Well, it's not "Hello" because that's not a dance floor song. Um, all night long. Well done. Um, oh God, half of these I haven't even bloody heard of. That's the one hit wonders, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, there's over apparently there's over 80 songs on it as well. Uh, Mel and Kim, I have heard of them. Oh, is that like is that respectable? <laughs> oh my god, mate, yes, it is. Respectable. <laughs> oh, wow, well done on that one. Uh, oh, I don't want to give you ones that. Just like I mean, there's bands like fucking Expose, Jelly Bean, <laughs> Jelly Bean, who? Jelly Bean. Yeah, I don't know them. <gasps> Maria Vidal. What? Who? What did Jelly Bean sing? Just, just perform. Just a mirage. Oh no, no, I heard of that. And you can tell this is eighties. New shoes, but new is spelled N U, and shoes is spelled S H O Z. New shoes. God. That's, and that is I Can't Wait, just in case anybody out there does know who new shoes are. Uh, here you go. I'll, I'll throw you some low-hanging fruit with Paul, Paul Hardcastle. Was it 19? Yes, it was. Oh, here's another one. While we're at the lower end of the tree, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Was it relax? Yes. I was, just like, I was like, do I say two tribes? But uh, relax. Uh, the Weather Girls. It's raining men. Sinita. Oh, I can't remember that one. Oh, so macho. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, I, I know her, but I couldn't think of a song. Liza Minnelli, a dance floor oh. hit from the eighties. Really? I, oh, I don't know. I, honestly, I can on heart can't actually can tell you a Liza Minnelli song. Please, if anybody listening is is shouting something at, while listening to this, send us a tweet or an email, 
that you got it, Losing My Mind. Losing My Mind by Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you a couple more. This is probably, if we're talking dance floor songs of the 80s, this is the one I would think of the most because at the time, the job I was doing, I was driving around a lot. And this was always, always on the radio. Uh, Black Box is the band. Is it Right on Time? Right on Time. Right on Time. And, oh, let's finish with... Oh, let's finish with... Oh, my God. Nana Cherry. Oh, was it <laughs> Buffalo Star? Oh, my. You get a <laughs> solid pass on that one, mate. Yeah, that was watching the chart show on ITV on a Saturday afternoon when I was a kid. Territory there. I am hugely impressed. I've got to say, hugely impressed with well, that. Because well, I would stop. have got, I don't know, two at the, at the very most. And I think that's been a bit... Uh, no, I'd have got one probably. That would have been it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall we move on to the movies? Yeah, let's do the movies. Okay, then we shall start with your... First time watch pick. And I will warn everybody, it's probably, I think, the last 30 seconds, more or less, of this trailer. It's just mostly screaming. Oh, wow. In a city gripped by fear, a serial killer creates a reign of terror where no woman is safe. He likes plastic wrap on the face. They suck it in their mouths and nostrils, even their eye sockets. Then rigor mortis sets in. Be on the lookout for a dark van. Two cops thrown together. You see the new transfer they call Quick Draw McGraw. And you're Dirty Harry, right? With a mission to bring him down. I know what she thinks, what she feels, what she does. Every intimate detail. You're an ex-detective on a motorbike. You got one chance. You got one chance only. Artillery. His videos are being distributed worldwide by crime syndicate porn channels. <laughs> but I can whip mine out faster than you can. What do you want from me, pal? I'm going to teach you humility. We have a common interest. Like what? He's sick, wants to die, and I'm going to help him. <laughs> you check inside. I'll go that way. Freeze, bitch. You son of a bitch. You don't go through channels. You don't go through procedure. Take the shot. You took the shot. He has a silent partner somewhere in your department. Got it. Son of a bitch. You bastard. How could you let them give me this on the air? Julie. Yes. Piece of shit. I want you to pick up our video stalker friend, fold up his operation, and ship the whole pile down to Mexico. Got it. He's on me like a pit bull. He's almost as crazy as I am. Fuck you! Hey, Detective Dax! You're just gonna keep on coming, huh? Fred Williamson, <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock, Robert Force. It's full moon out there. Yeah, well, it makes for better night vision. 
say it. I, I should jump in. It's not that trailer that finishes with a load of screams. It's the next trailer. That one, I should have ah. I should have said. I was like, that's why that, hence the long pause. I was like, well, they've said Night Vision now, is that? <laughs> no, it's the next one. Why would they be screaming after that? Um, that was the okay. world, world's longest trailer at three minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those, just feels like you've uh, seen a film. And a lack of music in that trailer, it was just like, we were just saying, listening to talking. <laughs> Like you think I have a bit of a background noise or music going on. Anyway, so. hmm. Night Vision, released in 1997, starring a couple of friends of 80s Picture House way back then, Fred Hammer Williamson, <laughs> the evergreen Fred Hammer Williamson, and Cynthia Rothrock, as well as Robert Forster, who I, like, I'm assuming is mates with Fred Williamson. Yeah. They always end up um, yeah. in the same films together so directed by jill bettman um also directed a film we've talked about in the past never too young to die awesome um <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so this um is about a serial killer who uh lives or dwells i don't know if they live in a van but dwells in this van which is a bit like a tardis because it's very large looking on the inside but every exterior shot makes it look like mm-hmm. a very small van um i you couldn't get all the equipment in. Anyway, so basically, what this guy's doing, what this scuzzball's doing, is he's oh, making oh, nice, nice use of scuzzball. He's making like home movies, like like tapes. Um, he's uh, making little documentaries, I guess. He's like narrating over them um, about like women who have like wronged him or other men, and he's just like, oh, this bitch did so and so. And when she was in college, she did this, and like narrating like sh- like sh- photos of her when they were younger. Then films their deaths when he kills them, and includes it on it. Makes a little makes a little tape, does a little bit of cover art, mm. and um, yeah, that's that's his mo really. Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately for him, he's uh, going to run into Dakota Dak Smith. <laughs> Played by Fred Verhammer Williamson, of course, who the film opens and he's he's smoking um is one of his trademark cigars. Mm-hmm. So his cigar is um even more omnipresent than usual in this film. Uh he's uh it, the film starts with him smoking it. Uh, I'm just jumping over the timeline here. At the end, um the, the killer offers him the cigar. I mean, he just seems to be smoking the trademark cigar a lot more than normal in this um so um yeah so he uh, we start the film with uh dak um celebrating his birthday uh with um three or four candles shoved on top of a twinkie <laughs> twinkies are fucking horrible they are so... i don't mind them then they're, they're very i mean god it's american food it's of course it's sweet but um, the price that we have to pay over here for them, obviously, it's oh, not worth any, it. Yeah, any Three pounds for one or whatever it is. I know, it's fucking stupid, isn't it? They're really good if, you know, in the event of nuclear apocalypse or, you know, zombie outbreak, and you could stock up on them, and they will last for years and years and years. So that'd be good. You know, there's no there's no sell-by date on them, is there? You could eat them, you know, 50 years later. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, you could do. They're that loaded with chemicals and shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. wouldn't matter. Um, so yeah, he's a big fan of Twinkies and because he's a recovering alcoholic, root beer. Oh, there's another fucking horrible thing. Root beer, root beer and Twinkies. No, I love American food more probably than any other food on the planet. 
What, Twinkies and root beer? No, thank you. I mean, honestly, like, he stopped drinking alcohol, but he's now doing root beer, smoking, and Twinkies. I'm don't, not sure <laughs> how yeah. what the health benefits of that are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and he also just wanders around his house in his pants a lot. Um, I think we should just... The elephant in the room, Dave. I, like, I mean, that needs to be addressed. And just can we just park that there a second and everybody hold that thought of Fred Williamson in in a pair of briefs and just keep that just to one side? Because before we get onto there, the, I mean, there's a couple of you said at the very beginning, and you know, and and our mates, Fred Williamson and Cynthia Rothrock. I was sat watching this, and I got a big smile on my face, and I was going. Me and Tom have talked to both of them because <laughs> they've got loads of scenes together. And it's still, yeah. you know, these years later, it's like, yeah, that's pretty fucking cool that we had a chat. And they were both really good guests as well. Oh, absolutely. And we had a blast chatting to them. And still, if I remember rightly, if we do ever get to meet the Hammer in the Flesh together, um, it's, we can have a scar with him. And, I mean, you've met him as well, haven't you? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. I met him um, about a year or so later. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was so cool that we'd... we'd talk to them and both of those shows if i remember rightly have been re-released on the 60mw channel so if you want to go and listen to them you can yes. i want to i want to as well because it was re-listening to the three minute long trailer <laughs> and it's near the beginning of that where it says oh and he he wraps their heads in, in cling film and they suck it in through their mouths and their noses even their eyeballs can you, suck it, can you suck it cling no. film through your eyeballs? I mean, it could, you know... It could stick to your eyeballs, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, But can you actually suck no, you cling can't, film? I mean, no, that would that mean having to breathe through your eyes. So <laughs> that can, would be quite... I don't know if fish can do that, but, like... <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, this this um, killer is, um, you know, he's not particularly uh, graceful. He, like, he runs, he, like, one victim, he's wrapped him up. And just hosses them out of a van in front of a TV studio, wrapped up, wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just uh, to get, yeah. is that her that when, because this is near the beginning of the film, where is it her that is chasing in the van and she's screaming, what are you doing? Get away from me. And yeah. then she falls to the floor and the van virtually runs her over. Yeah, there's, it there's, runs her over, but not like she's not under the tyres. She's just under the middle. She's, she's under the middle, yeah. fine. Yeah, there's, there's her head up and then... But before she gets up, do you see what she's trying to do? She's lying underneath a big van. Well, like we said, big on the inside. And there's only her head that is sticking out further than the front yeah. bumper. She tries, She's pushing the wheel of it as though she's trying to push the van away. And it's like, is she like Supergirl or something? <laughs> she's she's going to try and push the van away, which was a bit... Right, so it's her that gets wrapped in all the the cling film. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, Dak works alone, obviously, because of course he does. Uh, but he's uh forced to team up with Cynthia Rothrock, mm-hmm. uh, to go after this creep. Um, as at one point, it's not too far into a film actually. Um, uh, Fred Williamson, there's got there's a there's quite a high octane chase. There is, um, yeah, when he's on the motorbike. Yeah, he's on yeah. he's on his he's a precious motorbike and uh, chasing a van because uh, he sees something hanging out the side of it, doesn't he? Um, a, a ripped off a brazier. Yes, and uh, he goes after him and the the news copter with a, I mean they sort of dropped this a little way in, but like the female news anchor was getting a bit excited uh, for this chase. Um, I thought, <laughs> um, yeah, there's particularly she was just like. 
she's getting a bit like you know touching the pilot and all just like oh yeah <laughs> you know I'm just like all right love calm down and then, then they quickly drop that and, and then, then she says because fred williamson's chasing the van on the highway and you know they're going a fair old lick and then this this female news reporter in the helicopter says to the pilot um drop down behind them he'll he'll never notice <laughs> i mean first of all come on you won't notice a helicopter dropping down behind you and then the then the it cuts from her saying that to the helicopter dropping down behind him and fred williamson just glancing in the mirrors yeah. of his, his motorbike <laughs> and immediately seeing, yeah. and seeing said helicopter right there so yeah well done news anchor yeah, so uh, she's sort of like a periphery character in it. She's um, ends up getting um, the videotape treatment um, that doesn't end too well for her. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just a film with so many oddball like characters and asides, and um, Fred Williamson's sort of fight against alcoholism. Uh, there's a point in the film where he falls off a wagon. Mm-hmm. I think it might be after the news anchor's blown up. Uh, Spoilers, of course. Um, and he, he falls off a wagon, and um, like he's, he's taken, he goes to IA, he's outside IA, and there's a song on the soundtrack literally saying, Fred Williamson's character, it's called 12 Steps or something. Yeah, so you've got yeah. 12 Steps, and like literally written explicitly for this film, mentioning the characters in this film. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> It's uh, it's something, but um, I found Cynthia Rothrock, uh, her character is just just like, basically she was just like the sort of, maybe it was the uh, um, what he needed. She was basically like, yeah, if you pass sixty days, I'll let you shag me. <laughs> that, that was his incentive, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, lo- her the, first gambit, the loving was, weekend. I think it was yeah, her too. Her first gambit was ninety days, to be fair to her, and then he came straight back with oh, 30 and then they started they, haggling yeah haggling for a shag and then they met in the middle shagling shagling <laughs> oh yes oh well done Tom uh, they were they were shagling oh, that's that's definitely a word now and they settled on 60 days uh, it's just like you never know this was before you fell off a wagon like and so, like, you haven't known him that long, and immediately you're just like, yeah, yeah, go for the love. I think they said the term "loving weekend" like three times. Um, no, and no, also, no. Wink, wink. like, when Fred Williamson's character fell off a wagon, which was sort of like kind of near the end of a film mm. of a finale, and I was just like, and then you know, like, like in the timeline of a film, he falls off a wagon and goes after a bad guy. Maybe like so, maybe twenty four hours have passed. And then, like, well, he's, and then it cuts to like um, him at his AA meeting saying, I've done 60 days. I'm just like, what happened in the two months after, <laughs> after the, the, the baddie got got? Because, of course, he did. And um, you're getting your 60-day chip. Like, two months have passed. Yeah. It's just like, it feels like quite a long time. It felt like she should be like, oh, okay, 10. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I just thought that was weird. It was just like, and then off they went. Um, Robert Forster's in it as... as um, uh, I don't think he's a chief, but he's Fred Williamson's boss. Yeah, and he's really good in it, of course. Yeah, he's um, yeah, just reliable Robert Forster, and yeah. he says, um, um, I've I've got this the line here. Uh, Fred uh, Robert Forster, Fred Williamson's character says, "You've got bad knees. Your piles as thick as your dick, and you make three times what a rookie makes. Your piles <laughs> as thick as your dick." Yes. I don't know if that means like his like pile of like 
to-do pile, like paperwork, or, or like piles. His hemorrhoids are as thick as his dick. Can hem- are hemorrhoids thick? Well, I don't know. I recently got rid of mine a few weeks ago, and I didn't check how thick they were. Maybe next time, if I do get them, I'll check just for... I mean, it just felt like a line that <laughs> was just like, yeah, we need a line that references how big Fred Williamson's dick is. And I'm just like, yeah. look, we, we see what he looks like. We assume... Because we'd already seen him, like you said, countless times in just oh, yeah, in his, his briefs. But the thing is, so he's wearing like normally he's got like a t-shirt on his his briefs, and he's got socks pulled up to the knee and a pair of shoes on at the same time <laughs> while he's doing like it's his house. He can wear what he wants. He's doing like yoga moves and that, and it's like. Well, at least, I mean, even if you're going to keep your knee-high socks on, take your shoes off at least to get comfortable if he is in his own house. Maybe that's what, I mean, obviously, um, Cynthia Rothrock's character walked in. Not, um, maybe, yeah. On them doing it. Maybe maybe that's what, was just like, oh, wow, wow, yeah, 60 days, and we'll go for the loving weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's sod the 90. I want, I want some of that, some of that high sock action. Keep, keep your shoes <laughs> on, Fred. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, yeah. He, he is, I don't know, I'd say... There's got to be three scenes at least where he's in his underwear. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just in his house. Yeah. Um, and uh, somebody who lives in the same block of flats from um, and goes to the AA meetings is just this dwarf. Uh, yeah, who uh, in real life was a rapper. He's passed away now, unfortunately, but he's quite a oh, prolific rapper in the states. Um, I've not heard of them, but um, yeah, and um, he uh, once, I believe, uh, he. Bushwick Bill is his was his name. Okay, yeah, uh, an American no rapper. Now, what, no, no, he idea. did something to his eye once. Yeah, um, what on purpose or accidentally or? No, it was an argument with his. Um, they shot himself with an during oh, an geez. argument with his wife, losing his right eye in the process. Oh my god! Because uh, he'd been under the influence of Everclear alcohol and PCP. What a combo! Um, yeah, nineteen ninety one. But there was a. There was a um, a scene near the end of a film, well, right at the end of a film, at the final AA meeting, um, where he had his sunglasses off, and I was because I'd seen that, I was just like, who is this guy? Mm. Like, why is he why is he in it so much? Like, should I know who he is? And then I looked, and I was just like, I looked, and you look, and I was just like, if that's a glass eye, that's a fucking good glass eye. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. So yeah, that's who that was. But I mean, yeah, there was just so many little things it's just like it makes these films so enjoyable for me um like just like weird characters like here's the wolf here's the angry landlord you know just like here's some weird you know i'm just gonna go here's a rap about aa here's Cynthia rothrock rothrock sorry uh, promising sex if he passes 60 and like there's so many odd things robert forster going on about fred williamson's dick fred williamson eating a twinkie with candles in it you know like it's just like there was so much about bad guys whole thing like as a bad guy on his own he's rather bland mid to late 90s bad guy but yeah, it's just the yeah. whole premise of like he's making these like like you know those old um wedding videos like photo shops used to make yeah our special day and they made a special case up and i'm putting that much effort into it and um, but, but then it it's like put hidden cctv into into the women's bedrooms yeah, and, and one of the filming CCTVs. them having sex so in one of these when yeah filming them yes that but one of the, the there was cctv one and cctv two in one of the bedrooms and there was the same shot <laughs> i can't remember who's i think was it the one where it was in um, the, the apartment that uh williamson and rothrock come to and they they 
see the camera or was it one where they're watching she's watching they're watching Rothrock later before they just put Cynthia Rothrock in a box by the way and like camera one and camera two were the same shot the same camera like brilliant (laughs) they put them right next to each other they get some good coverage of a room that way Um, oh my god yeah there's also a scene where like Cynthia Rothrock's just put in a box (laughs) and they're gonna like and she's in it for like about five seconds as well. Yeah, and then like, um, yeah, she just bursts out of it. And uh, yeah, then the final fight. Cynthia Rothrock's still got some moves. Yeah, she doesn't do a lot of fighting in it, though. And yeah, I, I was... she's, yeah, she's a sort of a bit more like, like there's a scene where she's being held at gunpoint and Fred Williamson has to ref- rescue. And I'm like, mm. you don't need to do that. It's Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she does um, beat up one of her, kicks the shit out of uh, the the bad guy she's assigned with in a final fight she fucking lays it in almost like making up for the lack of um, beatings earlier and Fred Williamson does the move for, uh, for Fred Williamson fighting pose very briefly yeah uh, that we all know and love um, but yeah I just it was daft it was stupid I mean a lot of Fred Williamson films um, especially any that he's got any sort of creative control over it, you know going into any time after the late night 80s really I mean, I think with Swatch Sub, it can be very, very fucking boring. Mm. Uh, but this, I just thought it was really enjoyable, stupid. I mean, it wasn't a good film. Of course it wasn't, but it was just daft, fun. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It did, for me, it did. I enjoyed the first half more than I did the second half. It did drop off. I, I found myself a few times in the second half losing a bit of interest in it it was i don't know what it was about it the first half i was i was a lot more engaged with there is this some of the acting in it is incredible it's that so bad it's it's amazing acting because there are films you know and it's acted bad and it is just absolutely fucking terrible this two people in particular i think they were both cops because they're usually having a go at fred williamson and they're two that came into his room while he'd got his knee-high socks and pants on and um, oh yeah, these two. Yeah. They were just awful actors, but engrossingly amazing, awful actors. <laughs> Every time they came on screen, it was I couldn't take my eyes off them. They they were really really bad. There was a load of shots, and again, this was more towards the second half of the film. That were so out of focus. It was like whoever was the focus puller, I think, had a, a few days where they were pissed up because they were not seeing clearly at all there was quite a few shots that were out of focus and there was well, there was one you can tell it's the um the type of film it is through fred williamson goes into like a 7-eleven store and as he walks through the door the first thing and it's right next to the front door is like this topless shot of this woman just tits out yeah, and then Fred Williamson's almost like drooling over it, and he's uh, and he walks in and he's and he looks at Henry and he says to the guy, he obviously knows the guy. Well, he just knows the guy behind the counter, the friends in the film, and he looks at her and he goes, "I'd do her on my Harley." And then the, cool. oh, look, look, look at the tits on that. I'd do her on my heart. I would. And then, so Such the, an un-Fred Williamson exactly. character thing to say, isn't it? Like, exactly. Do her. <laughs> and, and on his Harley. So the, the guy behind the counter comes back with something a bit like, you know, for now, yes, or whatever. Yes, yeah, so would I, mate, so would I. Rubbing his thighs. And then Fred, and it's not <laughs> over. Fred Williamson then carries on. Yeah, a friend of mine did that. 
He yes. Ca- oh my God! This whole thing. He he came doing 120 miles an hour. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Can you imagine being on an American highway and this couple goes past you 120 as the guy is orgasming and then you know the butt naked shagging? It would be. I just wanted Fred Williamson to stop talking about this. <laughs> it was it, like you said it was. I don't want Fred Williamson to start going on about cum and stuff like that. It's like it's, he's too cool for that. Like, well, oh, yeah, I'd fuck with my bike. I could come anywhere, 120 miles. Away. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Clearly, the guy who wrote this was very white. And <laughs> yeah, I was I was expecting like Fred Williamson. To, oh yeah, starts talking about it, and then take his pants off and stand there in his briefs and knee high socks again. It was start wanking <laughs> in the shop. It was that always like his head. Yeah, so out of character. Yeah, it was very yeah very strange for Fred Williamson's character to talk like that and i just wanted him to stop saying those yeah. words <laughs> uh, this the, this the usual continuity things i mean you mentioned about you know the two cameras and they were like next to each other and it's the same thing and there's there's a scene where there's this guy and he's with i think he's like his secretary or something like that not his wife mm. and they're in this motel room uh, where it looks like a pink cadillac is the bed but before they get into it, they're in a big bath together and she gets out of the mm. bath and goes into the bed and she's waiting for them, him, sorry, and, you know, sort of beckoning to come into the bed and he gets out of, of this big bath and you can clearly see he's wearing like black underwear and then, um, and he's soaking wet because he's just got out of a bath mm. and then he walks across to the bed, you know, just like five or six steps away. And he's bone dry and wearing completely different underwear. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. It's one of those. I love stuff like that where it's it's a really bad continuity. It's so obvious. Uh, But yeah, I think it was, you gave it half a a star more than I did on that box. And And that was, I would have given it the same as you if I hadn't sort of lost a little bit of interest in the second half. Mm. Mm. Well, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. But it's still, it's still, it's you know, it's still well worth watching. If and again, if you've been listening to us for any amount of time, if you're into the type of films that we like, it yeah, is. it's a, uh, to be honest for the sort of for, for the time frame of Fred Williamson's career, like late nineties, mm-hmm. it, it was a pleasant surprise for something to be as entertaining as it was. Yeah, and there's a sequel. You are shitting me, Jack Smith. Is back four years later in 2001's Down and Dirty. And Dirty. And Dirty. What? Directed by Fred Williamson, which is a bit of a warning sign because it's always the ones he writes oh or directs God. that. But um, he's a. He, Dakota Swift is an experienced policeman with, his, with a problem. His partner's dead. <laughs> oh, no. I was going to ask. Cynthia Rothrock in no, it. But she's not in it. Um, cr- uh, corrupt cops are responsible. Hopefully it was after the loving weekend, at least. Oh, I imagine. He might have killed her during the loving weekend. <laughs> she, uh, that could have been it. Um, what a way to go. It could have been... Department. She could have well died. As... She, no, mate, she could hey. have died in her horrendous 120-mile-an-hour sex <laughs> motorcycle <he>? crash. Oh, God. <laughs> he was trying to live his dream, and he was the only one that survived. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, down and dirty, indeed. Exactly. Um, okay, so Dak's investigation leads him to widespread corruption in the department, as well as a corrupt district attorney. Does sound a bit boring. Smith <laughs> finds an unlikely ally and a timid photographer, Nick Gleam. Nick Gleam, <laughs> placed, played by... Go on. 
unlisted cool oh, um, okay. <laughs> thanks uh while gleam unearths clues about the bad guys dak fends off attacks on his own life while he's not in gun battles with these local villains divorced father dak has no shortage of lady friends to keep him happy also starring yes Bubba smith okay gary Busey. oh my god tony lobianco yeah. david carradine oh my god charles napier Jeez. Andrew Divoff. Oh, what? And Sam J. Jones. What is going... How? I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. So, uh, I mean, I am tempted, but I'm just... I've got... The letterbox reviews aren't as positive. Uh, Uh, A few of them say boring. That would lend itself to Fred Williamson. I mean, I I can't remember what it was, but there was... Oh, was it the... Oh, what was it? Um, Oh, I... I'm sorry, we'll have to. This is not particularly entertaining. He did one called if I can find his directorial stuff. Well, while you're looking, while you're looking, I'm. I mean, I'm going to ask you a question. How is it that a Fred Williamson and Cynthia Rothrock film has passed both of us by for so long? I mean, what was, yeah. what was going on with that? I mean, I know that is that is strange. Yeah, that is strange. So this film I was referring to was 1986's The Messenger. Now, if you look on YouTube for the trailer for The Messenger, incredible trailer. Mm-hmm. And um, Andrew and I watched it way back when, um, and it's fucking boring. There's just shots of him just walking around. I probably gave out about it like when, you know, back in 2014, 2015, whenever we watched it. So let down by it. Um, so, yeah, now every time it says, oh, Fred Williamson's directed it. It's like, oh, mm. God. So, uh, but I mean, he did direct one down, two to go. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fair play. Yeah. And that is a classic. Yeah. One of the first films we talked about, even though it wasn't. I know it was the 80s, wasn't it? So, mm. There was some confusion at the time, wasn't there? There was some confusion. I mean, there, there has been many times, mate. There has been a lot of confusion over the years. Those early episodes, it was nothing but confusion. So. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, that was um, whatever that film was called. <laughs> night, night vision. Night, yeah, obviously, night vision. Mm. Night vision, yes. Uh, well, Worth a first-time watch for anybody? Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point. Yeah. And if you're watching it on Prime in the UK, because it's on Prime in the UK, it's one of those that's just like, why is this piece of shit looking so good? Like, exactly. Blu-ray quality, Wide beautiful screen. picture. Yeah. I, I mean, ex- somewhere. Yeah. Maybe, w- like, Vinegar Syndrome picked it up or something yeah. in the States and released it, and that's a print. I was expecting, you know, like, 4.3, bit grainy, looking, you know, looking like a VHS rip. And then it came on. I was like, "Oh my god, this looks pretty good." <laughs> so yeah, that that was a bit of an added bonus. So that was good. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. Good choice, mate. Good choice. And again, I'm just amazed that it passed us by for 25 years. <laughs> uh, right. Moving on to my rewatch pick, and this is the trailer that has about 30 seconds of screaming at the end. So just prepare your ears. That's the ghost of Colin Childress. 30 years ago, he butchered a woman with an axe and then set himself on fire. It's dark. It's gloomy. It's filled with terror. (laughs) Don't even think about going down there. So why can't people stay out of the cellar? I love to be frightened. If you love to be frightened, then this cellar is the place to be.
innocent woman is terrorized. Her life becomes a nightmare, when she won't stay out of the basement and is snared by the evil cellar dweller. I should have said there's a lot of screaming and some really fucking annoying music as well. I forgot to add that bit to it. Yes, it's 1987's Cellar Dweller. Thankfully, only 77 minutes long. Uh, written and directed by John Carl Buchler. Sorry. A horse. Sorry, whenever I hear his name, I always, without fail, think of Frau Blucher. <laughs> so I'm making myself laugh. Sorry. If you don't get that, then when you finish listening to this, go and watch Young Frankenstein, and then it will all make sense. So, <laughs> John Carl Buchler. <clears throat> That's the last time yeah. I'm going to say it. I just, I just like it. I'm sorry. Go and watch Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, makeup effects guy did some great effects for some great films. I mean, going through the eighties, when you look at his body of work, is is just all the all the low budget horror stuff that I it was just eating up at the time, like The Prey, Rage War. Oh, I haven't seen that in ages. I mean, I think bit of a heads up. I think at some point I've got to pick that as a rewatch. I mean, because it's got Wasp in it for fuck's sake. Trancers, Ghoulies. The first troll eliminators, crawl space from beyond dolls, all that and more. He would he he did the special effects for. Uh, he's also a director on eighteen films. Uh, his first directorial bit was a segment of Rage War, um, and then he, the first film that he directed was Troll, which then and he didn't direct. He went on to uh, there was the sequel, the infamous Troll Two, one of the worst films ever made. Cellar Dweller was only the second film that he directed. And then he went on to... And after this, it was Friday the 13th, part seven. Mm. The New Blood, then Ghoulies Go to College. You know, it's he was a big horror guy. Sadly, he passed away in March 2019. Uh, I think he was 66 off the top of my head. Again, not very old. And it, is, and it stars, I said um, in the last episode, Yvonne DiCarlo might know from the Munsters, and, oh, God. <laughs> you can answer this. Now, I say Jeffrey Coombs, even though it's spelt, like, plural for comb, C-O-M-B-S. How do you pronounce his surname, Tom? Yeah, I say Coombs as well. Yeah, I say Coombs. I have heard people say Jeffrey Combs, which I... I mean, that's, that's how it's how it's it's how it's, it looks. It's how it's spelt, but... Mm. Mm. Anyway, Jeffrey Coombs, I'm sticking with that. He he is a comic book artist. It begins in the 1950s, and he's in oh a cellar, surprisingly enough. And he kills somebody, and he draws monsters. And there's a scary book. Think the Book of the Dead in the Evil Dead films, a little bit like that. And he kills the monster that is on the page by burning the paper. Mm. Unfortunately, because he's spilt you know, everything with an artist, he's quite flammable. The whole cellar goes up in flames. So the monster dies, but he burns to a crisp as well. Jump forward 30 years. The house is now, it's like a retreat for all different artists. There's people in there, not just your traditional drawing art, but there's people doing performative dance and writing. And the cellar, there's not a mark in it. 
it was in it's an inferno at the beginning of the film isn't it <laughs> and then you've you, you've got the character of um Whitney who's who's an artist and comes there and it's Yvonne Carlo's character Mrs Briggs who runs like this artist's retreat and she doesn't she doesn't like Whitney doesn't really like her but Whitney's come and he's a big fan of of, of uh, Jeffrey Coombs character who who drew these comics called Cellar Dweller and um so she gets a room there and she wants to create like a new version of Cellar Dweller and, and do these comics. And she's in one of the rooms to begin with. And in the background, there is an amazing reanimator poster, obviously with Jeffrey Coombs on the front of it. <laughs> yeah. There's a troll poster, as I said. Uh, John Carl Buchler directed it. <laughs> yep, nearly missed it then. And uh, what was the other one? Ghost was it? Ghost Town, I think. Yeah, it? yeah, it was Ghost Town. Yeah, yeah there was a few. So there's a little, there's little things like that to spot if you're into like eighties horror. But it ends up that she, um, Whitney, ends up in the basement where um, Jeffrey Coombs' character was, and this is where you see that it's, it's despite that inferno, it is fine in there. And um, she finds. Let's let's keep referring to it as the Book of the Dead, hmm. and uh, brings the monster back to life who then starts killing people. This is the usual, uh, Whitney has a nemesis called Amanda who's there and they've hated each other. I think it goes back to like high school days or something and there's still beef between them. And Amanda tries to set Whitney up for plagiarism and, and generally does the dirty on her. But of course, you know, like all bad, bad characters in the films gets their comeuppance and the monster kills them. The monster looks all right because of course... The man whose name I shall not say anymore because I'll have to press a button. You know, he's you know he's all right at practical effects. So the monster's okay for a low budget eighties films. It's what I come to expect at that that time. Um, it's not a very gory film. There's one beheading with a bit of blood in it, but it's not very bloody, is it? Can you remember apart from the beheading? No, much blood. Oh, in no, it. not especially. Because there's quite a few people get killed in it. But oh yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, considering this was. Written and directed by a makeup guy. Hmm. Um, apart from the the monster itself, wasn't there a lot going on with There's you know not... gore effects or anything like that? No, and like I said, even though it's you know it's like an hour and a quarter, it. Dra- I mean, you. I think you put it perfectly on Letterboxd, mate, where you said it would work much better as part of an anthology if it's twenty five to thirty minutes. Yeah, I mean, I was echoing what a lot of people on Letterboxd said hmm. about it, like. Tells from a crypt sort of story. I swear something like that. I mean, I a few years ago I watched it all, um, all the tales from a crypt again from start to finish, and I swear there was something similar to this in there. Yeah. Um, or one of the creep show films, um, or no, no, creep show is a TV show, but one of those, just some anthology thing. Because this was, I mean, it's 77 minutes long, and that was they were stretching it out, oh, yeah, because there isn't there's not a lot to talk about with it because. All it really is, is you've got Jeffrey Coombs' character's death in the 50s, jump forward 30 years, load of artists together, the monster comes back to life, um, Whitney's, you know, the, the protagonist, the monster and, and Amanda are the antagonist. And But at one point, again, spoilers, Yvonne Carlo's character turns into the monster and saying, <clears throat> oh, it was always me. But then, so, and everybody dies in a not too violent way, as we said. But then Whitney brings them all back to life by drawing them, including mm. Mrs. Briggs, Yvonne de Carlo's character, 
And you and, and me and Tina were watching it and we're going, why are you drawing her? She's the monster, isn't she? But then she's not the monster. It wasn't her all the time, even though she said it was. Did you get that bit? Because it lost us. Yeah, no, I didn't understand that at all. I don't know why um, Yvonne De Carlo was cut suddenly the monster. Um, and then she wasn't. And, and if, yeah, and if she was the monster, why would you draw her back? She's yeah. a monster. And then the, you know, it's supposed to be creating tension because there's a monster loose in the house and it's killing people. And because, like you said, it is so drawn out. You 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 don't care who dies. You know, it'd be oh, okay. Please, monster, kill everybody really quick. Let's get the credits rolling, and then we can be done with it. Because it's just it's it's really slow. Characters you don't care for, and you know we talked at length about night vision because I mean a it was an entertaining film which is always good, but it's always good when there's you know there's weird and wonderful stuff to talk about and this it's so pedestrian and nothing nothing really worth talking about happens not really is it it was it's quite dull and when you're looking. It did not pass the clock test. Cause oh, I, my God. I 15 minutes in, I looked. It was 15. Well yeah, done. and twice afterwards as well. Three times in a film. I mean, that's not a long film. I think the second time there was about oh, yeah. 30 minutes left. And then I, I think, yeah, no, actually it was 10 minutes later I looked again. It was, oh, God. It was just like, it was just, everything was just like, oh, let's just, just try and flesh it out a little bit. Oh, like the catty character who's not, you know, isn't, friends with the main uh, character and all yeah. that, the, the love interest. It was just like boring. It was boring. Yeah. I'm like, I thought the, um, the creature special effect, I mean, I pretty much, like I mentioned on my letterbox movie, the creature, creature special effects are really good, but they pretty much fucking had to be Yeah, considering, uh, the director whose name I will not say, <laughs> but, um, um, considering the directors, like it'd be, you know, it'd be a bit shit if it weren't. Mm. Um, and it had a few, um, okay moments, but generally it was just like, this shouldn't have been a film. No. It, like, you did not, like, the fact that it's, you've made it 77 minutes long, you, you must have been, like, desperately trying to drag this out to something feature length, and you've just, by the, by the classic pubes width, just done it. <laughs> um, and it just feels like something that just should have been on Creep Show. Yeah, it is. Man kills monster, monster comes back, monster kills people, person kills monster, happy ending. And, yeah, uh, and oh, I mean, I have seen it. I couldn't remember anything about hmm. it, though. Because I, I remember just the title was, I mean, at least the title was good. Yeah, the title's good. And I remember watching it on video, and I, I owned it on video. And it was one of those that, before re-watching it, if you said, sell a dweller, and you go, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, that was. No. It's one of those <laughs> rose-tinted like. glasses. No, it's not very good. Not stood the test of time. One of those that not worth re-watching. Not worth first-time watch. If anybody's listening to it and has never watched it, I wouldn't even waste 77 minutes. No, I mean, it's free on YouTube, but you don't get the time back. So No, you don't. And I I really have got nothing else to say about it. It's I just, I was... Yeah, unfortunately, um, it's just one of them. Yeah. I mean, it's the classic thing, you know, if it's a boring film, there's really not a lot to talk about. But if it's bad and entertaining, mm. night vision, yeah, there is. So, yeah, that's more to talk yeah, about. Unfortunately, so. I mean, that, it did have some good reviews on Letterboxd, though, which I well, mean, obviously everyone's entitled yeah. to their opinion. Yeah. But um, yeah, I didn't, couldn't get on board. Yeah. And again, you know, 
listening to this if you do like it send us an email and and say why and we'll answer you know next month's show that's fine you know it's, everybody's entitled to their own opinion mm-hmm. ours link up and we don't think it's very good but if you do like it let us know if you don't like it let us know but yeah not worth a rewatch mate is it i'm I'm, no. I'm pretty sorry to pick that. It's dashed my memories of Cellar Dweller, but oh well. We shall move on, and uh, yeah, we shall be back in uh, in just a minute. As I'm, try- I'm desperately trying to look for the right button. Here we go. I've got it now. first time watch pick and mate we're going back to 1983 and we're going back to something a genre that we haven't touched on for a while it is admittedly a genre that's it's not done as too well over the years there's been the odd high point but i'd God. say i'd say mostly low i have done my homework on letterboxd you'll be glad to know <laughs> and the majority of people are giving it a three. And uh, come on, and, and it evens out at the moment. I think it's a two point nine. Okay, but by far m- most people that have watched it are giving it a three. So that's pretty fucking good. We're going, we are going back. Um, oh dear, to an Italian. It's badly dubbed, mate. It's badly dubbed. Hmm. I've, I've watched. I watched the trailer and um, found it's on YouTube as well. So it's all good. An Italian um, post-nuclear holocaust movie. Mm. Mm. Uh, what sold it to me because I was on Letterboxd making sure that yeah, most of the reviews, like I said, three star. Uh, there was somebody gave a review, Adrian, on Letterboxd. Hello, Adrian. Probably never listened to us in his life, but thank you anyway. And his, re- I'll read his review out now just to give you a taste, mate, and the listeners of what to expect, hopefully. And this is, this is the review that made me pick it. Super stupid Italian post-apocalyptic movie that will give you a laughing fit at least a few times. The most hilarious thing about the film is the repetition of shots. There's one scene in particular, a car chase, where we see them drive around the same rocks for what seems like an eternity. Another scene gives us the pleasure to see a wooden shed shot to pieces for seemingly more than a minute. The end fight involves an overly obvious use of a stunt double. The hero is immortal. People die like flies. The soldiers are stupid. The plot makes no sense. The score ranges from epic synth to sax solo. Locations, quarry, industrial site, forest, greenhouses, and a mine. There you go. And it is called Rush. Rush, 1983. Interesting. Yeah, and I say it is on YouTube. So, um, and it from I just made sure it's a, it's a good quality one as well. And from what I saw, the dubbing in it is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Excellent. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully that does us a bit more better than some Italian post-apocalyptic films that we've watched in the past. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's what I could have it. My film of uh, rewatch. Well, I haven't even asked you if you've you know, if you've watched this before. I'm hoping you have. Um, <laughs> It's also from 1983. Ooh. Um, and, um, I mean, I, I was just in the mood for more Charles Brunson. <laughs> Brunson. So, um, 
Yeah. Um, oh, my computer just made a strange beeping noise. Did you hear that? I did. Uh, no, I didn't hear it. I mean, I've got, I had my phone in front of me because I've got the just the stats about the film and I was about to I'm about to announce it and was, then it just went. It was the ghost of Charles Bronson beep. coming for you. <laughs> yeah. That, sorry, he was rolling in his grave at my impression. Yes. Anyway, the film is uh, from J. Lee Thompson. It's from Canon. It's 10 to Midnight. Oh, yeah, that is a long time since I've seen that. I, uh, literally, I was just like, we haven't chosen this for a podcast yet because there's a lot to talk about with this film. It's sleazy as hell. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a favourite of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Charles Bonson. J. Lee Thompson, Canon. Um, Wilford Brimley's in it. What more do you want? Yeah, that looks cool. I haven't seen that in probably since the eighties. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, excellent. Oh, well, that's it. A double, a double bill of night. We can, we can go. Well, I'm, I've already perfected my husbands, and you can go away and have I will a go. Work got, on mine. You, you can have a month to uh, yeah. have a go, and we will. Um, we shall talk we'll about be, it. We'll be dubbing Robert Bronzy in no time. We'll be it. We'll be that. Will be our new uh, our new job is to dub Robert Bronzy. Right there we are. They should be good. I mean, we had one one good film this episode, so that's all right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and we and we almost we almost started again. What was it with our letterbox ratings? I think we went six films on the trot, didn't we? Giving the exact same score. Yeah, I mean we're mostly. I mean we're mostly in agreement with these two. I went two stars for um, cellar uh, for cellar dweller. I which did. probably was probably in hindsight was being a bit charitable. You went one and a half, didn't you? Um, no, I think I went two as well. Oh, I thought you went one and a half. No, I, I know Tina two. gave it half a star. Tina gave it half. Yeah, I gave it. No, we we were the same on that, and we were just we differed by half oh, a star okay. cool. on night vision. Yeah, you give it three, I give it two and a half. So we we were close, which is all right. Right then, let's let's close this up. Everybody knows by now the website, 60mw.co.uk. Numerical, 60, not alphabetical. Everything's on there. All the news, all the reviews, all the podcasts. Leave us a review on there. This will tour. Twitter, Instagram, at 60mwpodcast. Uh, again, me and Tom, we're getting close to our 10th anniversary podcasting. In June, it'll be 10 years podcasting together. Uh, we will be releasing the June show, 10 years to the day, as the first episode of uh, Eight's Picture House. I will give you the details of the date, etc. in the May show. Um, but if you would like to send us uh, an email saying what you will, have you been a, a listener? Have you listened to us? <laughs> is there anybody out there that has listened to every episode that we've done together in, in the 10 years <laughs> that we've been bastard. podcasting? <laughs> I know Frederick in Sweden is a long-time listener. Uh, sent us an email. Tim, who I mentioned earlier as well from Australia, he's been a long-time listener. Uh, we've got, you know, obviously we've got Ben in Tasmania. He's been a long-time. We've got uh, quite yeah, a few. Yeah, I mean, and any any favourite memories from, uh, yeah. I guess that'd be cool to hear. I mean, any any favourite bits, any any bits you've liked? Yeah. Have you liked any of it? <laughs> oh, we're getting good at emails. No, I've not liked any, really. <laughs> any bits you found adequate, yeah. um, listenable? We'll two, um, two stars? Any bits you thought were two stars? Serviceable, we'll you know, just, you know. What passed for time are best? Yes. Which which one did you listen to the most? Did you get ten minutes into one episode before you delivered it? <laughs> yeah. How long of an episode did you get into yeah. before you had to find something better to do? Yeah. Any yeah. Any memories? Eighties Pitch House. Um, the 
decade of decadence shows that we've been doing for a few years now. Um, but yeah, it'll be 10 years in June. So if you do want to get us an email, that'd be nice. And we'll read them. Here we say, hopefully, I'll read them all out in the, in the June show, however many we may or may not get. Um, but yeah, that would be nice. And we can respond on, on that show. Uh, but yeah, that'll be fun. So yeah, make sure you check out the podcast notes for this episode on the website because it will have the picture of the the headphones that I was using ten years ago. There'll be, there'll be a picture of of the throbbing rando figure. I know you all want to watch that. So yeah, get onto there. And um, yeah, until the next month, we shall depart, shall we, Tom? We shall. Goodbye. Oh, you twat. <laughs> Oh, okay then. Um, oh, now I know how you feel. When I did, okay, goodbye. <laughs>